I want to uh, tell you guys a story this morning from when I was just a wee lad. So I was probably 12, maybe 13. I, was, I don't know exactly the year that it happened, but it was an exciting year because that was the year that my parents bought us a pool. Um, we had never had a pool before, and this, was, this is a pretty big deal. It wasn't like in a crazy awesome in-ground pool or anything. It was one of these like Intex easy set pools. That's like exactly what it looked like. So you can imagine me running around and swimming in that thing. But it was a lot of fun. And almost every single day that year, me and my brother Isaac, we would, we would get ready to go swimming. We would, you know, get our swimsuits on and we'd lather up our little ginger bodies with sunscreen. And then we'd go out to the swimming pool and we would have fun. And we made up all kinds of games. The pool was short enough that you could like run from the grass and like jump over the edge or we'd pull the trampoline over and jump off the trampoline in the pool and that made my parents mad because they thought we were going to die and then some of our favorite activities involved pool noodles now this one's a little different than the ones i had i, I had more of those like light styrofoam ones that are a little longer and thinner but something similar to this you know something that you can definitely swing and hit each other with and they have holes in the middle you can fill them with water and use them as cannons uh, there are a lot of games you can play with pool noodles, and because my brother and I were not very responsible, they usually spent most of the time on the grass in our backyard, just laying around because, you know, we didn't clean up. So one day, me and my brother were out in the backyard, and we were playing around. And for some reason, Isaac picked up one of the pool noodles, and he grabbed it like this, and he just started spinning around, right, as fast as he could. And I wasn't paying attention or something. So the next thing I know, I get whacked right in the eyes, like straight in the eye with this pool noodle. And he's spinning around and hits me right in the eye. And immediately there is this pain, a searing pain. The pain I felt that day made me think that pool noodles should be sold as weapons that you should require background checks to buy a pool noodle. I'm talking, it hurt so bad. I, I could hardly open my eye. Of course, I started, my eyes started watering. I probably just started crying. And I can't quite remember what happens next. Although I do remember that I felt the anger boiling up inside of me. So my brother's apologizing. I don't even remember what he said. And... So now I'm faced with a choice, right? I'm in this amount of pain. This anger is boiling up inside of me. And so I could either choose to become the punisher (laughs) or I could choose to forgive. Now, before I tell you what happened, I want to preface that I'm not a violent man, okay? I've never once struck someone with the intent to hurt them I mean, my brother and I wrestled. I mean, that's pretty normal sibling stuff. But I'm talking like, I want to hurt you. So I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. I've never really done that until I got punched my brother. (laughs) So he just hit me in the eye. He's over there like trying to apologize. Like one or two seconds later, just whack as hard as I can into my brother's stomach and he hits the ground he starts crying my parents hear the commotion from inside so now i'm in trouble for getting hit in the face of the pool noodle 
We're both crying. He's on the ground. My parents are mad at us, and it ruined our day. (sighs) Luckily, my punch didn't do that much damage. Do I feel sorry for what I did? Yeah, of course I feel sorry. It makes me really sad to think that I lashed out and hit my brother. But it does give me an opportunity to maybe say some of the silliest things I've ever said about a really serious topic. And that's forgiveness. And it has a lot to do with getting hit in the face of the pool noodle. <laughs> forgiveness is a pretty serious topic. And we're going to be looking at Matthew 18. So you can go ahead and turn there. But when we're in pain, when we're in pain... It's hard to forgive, right? How many of you ever been wronged, angered, or hurt before? Show of hands. How many of you guys have ever been angered, wronged, or hurt? Some of you are very fortunate. So when we've been hurt, our first instinct is to hold a grudge, to get revenge, to let the person who hurt us know, and the people around us know that we've been wronged. Our first instinct is, instinct is to seek justice. So when it comes to pain and hurt, we have a choice before us. We can do one of either two things. We, we can forgive or we can become the punisher. And in the instance with my brother, I chose to became, become the punisher. Now, punishment doesn't always look like a gut punch to your brother's stomach. Now, it can. It can definitely look like that. But punishment doesn't always look that way. Punishment could be a passive-aggressive Facebook post that only the person who offended you knows what they're talking about. Right? Or it can be a very obvious social media post where you drag this person out on the carpet in front of the whole world for them to see they're wrong. Or punishment can be yelling. Punishment can be retreating into yourself and shutting out everyone else. Punishment can be the cold shoulder. Punishment can be the silent treatment. Unfortunately, we get really creative with our punishment. We're pretty good at it. So... Have you guys ever decided to become the Punisher? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we don't like thinking of ourselves that way, do we? We prefer to call it justice, because that sounds better. But we really know what it is. It's punishment. And the sad thing is that our world says that becoming the Punisher is good. Good on us for taking matters into our own hands and standing up to people, right? Good on us for not letting people walk over us. Good, good on us for cutting ties with the people that hurt us. But maybe that's not the right way to be. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus gives us a kind of hard teaching, right? And just prior to the section we're about to read in Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching about what to do if your brother sins against you. And he says, you know, go talk to him. And if you bring him back... That's great. You, you saved him. And then it goes on to tell us what to do if he doesn't repent after the first encounter. That's a, that's a teaching for a separate time. But it does lead Peter to ask a question. So Jesus is talking about forgiving sins and, and, re, and repentance, and it leads Peter to ask this question. Look at verse 21 with me. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often... Shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. 
For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that they had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe! So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So his fellow slaves saw what had happened. They were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Until his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he was owed. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So let's bring this parable into modern terms, and I think it's going to help us understand the gravity of what's being said here. Hopefully you guys don't fall asleep because we're going to do a little bit of math. Okay? So a denarii is typical payment for one day's work for a common laborer. Okay? So that's one denarii. And the minimum wage right now in Michigan is $9.87. We'll just call it $10 to make it easy. So minimum wage in Michigan is $10 an hour. And let's say you work an eight-hour day, assuming that, that means a denarii would be worth around $80 in today's money, right? One denarii would be $80, which means that the, the small debt from one slave to the other of 100 denarii would equal $8,000, which is not a small amount of money, but it's not insurmountable either. You can definitely pay that off in some time. Now, this is important. There are 6,000 denarii in one talent. So one talent equals 6,000 denarii, which means one talent equals $480,000, right? So here's, here's some math. Assuming that you get paid $10 an hour for your job, you work 40 hours a week, and you work 50 weeks a year, that means you would make $20,000 a year, roughly, which means it would take 24 years for a common laborer to pay off just one talent Good luck. Now there's 9,999 more to go. So if we multiply the value of the talent by 10,000, and we calculate that out, that means that the the first slave in this parable owed $4.8 billion, which at $10 an hour would take you a little over 200,000 years to pay off. So let that sink in for a second. The man who owed this large debt, this obviously was an unachievable amount of money for him. I mean, you can't even imagine trying to pay back $4.8 billion. 
But even though he received this great forgiveness, the man was unwilling to forgive the debt, the very, very small debt by comparison to his fellow slave. And I think this is where we often get ourselves into trouble because when we get hurt, when we feel pain, it doesn't seem small, right? It becomes some of the biggest things that's going on. It may consume our entire world for that moment. All of our thoughts and our feelings are, are dwelling on the pain and the hurt and the betrayal. And it doesn't seem small. But it's the perspective that we need that helps us get to the place where we can forgive. And the reality is we've all been forgiven an unpayable debt. Something much harder to pay off than $4.8 billion, if you can believe it. You see, the Bible lays it out clearly that our sin is a debt. Something like a debt to God. And it's offensive beyond imagine. And the wages of our sin, this, this act of daily disobedience, is death. That's what we earn. That's what we deserve. We deserve death. And there is no amount of money or amount of work, not even in 200,000 years, that can pay off that debt of sin. It just isn't possible for us to do. It's impossible. Just because of how debt works. The debt holder is the only one who can forgive it. Right? That makes sense. Like, I, I can't walk over... If Cheryl owes Chuck $50, I can say, Hey, Cheryl, congratulations. You don't owe money to Chuck anymore. Because Chuck didn't make that decision. Right? I can't make that payment for Chuck, or for Cheryl. God is the one who holds our debt, and it's only him who is willing to forgive it, who is able to forgive it. And he did that by sending his son Jesus to die for us. So we've been forgiven of this enormous debt. And so God wants us to turn around and forgive the people we deal with on a daily basis forgiveness for their debts, which if you remember, are very, 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 very small in comparison to the debt that we were forgiven. The forgiveness we extend to others then becomes a faithful act of obedience. That's really what forgiveness is. Have you ever thought about it that way before? Have you ever considered that forgiveness that you offer to others is actually following a command that God has given you? Now, this does not mean that forgiveness is easy. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you can forgive anybody for anything like breathing air. It's, it's not going to become easy. It's still going to hurt. And it's still going to be very hard. But I think that if we recognize the two things from this parable, that we've been forgiven this huge debt, and that Jesus asks us to forgive others. In fact, he commands us to forgive others I think that makes forgiveness a little more possible. Just so we're clear, there aren't any loopholes to forgiveness. Okay? Some of you might have been thinking, well, the slave asked for forgiveness, so if someone comes up to me and they don't ask for forgiveness, that they don't think what they did was wrong, or they're not repentive of it, then I don't have to forgive them. Right? Because that's not what we see in the parable. I'm going to burst your bubble. There are no loopholes, because this is what Jesus says in Luke 6, 27 through 29. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Ah, oh, shoot. 
Do good those who hate you. Dang it. Bless those who curse you. Mm. Pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. <clears throat> we see that Jesus isn't only talking about the people who recognize the wrong and ask for forgiveness. He's talking about enemies, people who purposefully hurt us. And we are to repay evil with good. That's what 1 Peter says. We're supposed to be repaying evil for good. And if anyone says that being a Christian is easy, then they have not read the words of Jesus. Because look at that. Following the commands of our Lord takes work. Some may say it's dying to ourselves. Forgiveness is an act of obedience where we die to our wounds that we received, where we put them aside. And we say in our hearts, even though I've been mistreated, I am choosing to lay down myself in obedience to my Lord. And that carries with it a power that shakes this world to its bones. The world doesn't get it. The world can't handle it. But I'm telling you now, your desires, everything in your flesh is going to cry out against you trying to do the self-denial. <laughs> we are born to be selfish. Our sin nature wants to seek our justice and be selfish. And even worse sometimes, I think we like the pity and attention we get when we are wronged, when we are hurt. And I know some people, and you probably know them too, that lord their offenses over the people around them. Let me tell you, that does not look good on anyone. So let me take a minute here as we're wrapping things up to digest a few of the things that we read today so that we can walk away with some really actionable steps in our lives. So number one, don't become the punisher. We need to remember that there's a choice before us, right? When our brothers, sisters, spouses, friends, significant others, or even our enemies hit us in the face of the metaphorical pool noodle or non-metaphorical pool noodle, depending on what you're doing. But when we get hit, when we get hurt, there is a choice for us to make. We can either become the punisher or we can become the forgiver. And I'm telling you right now that becoming the punisher makes you feel better in the moment. And depending on who you're talking to, you might be encouraged to become the punisher. You might be encouraged to take things into your own hands. But I promise you that becoming the punisher is not the route you want to take. Because it just ends up with you getting in trouble from your parents. I mean, it doesn't make you sit well with God, okay? Perhaps the best advice I can give you is what Paul says in Romans 12, 19. Never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So the great thing about God is that he doesn't forget. He is perfectly just, and he promises to make things right at the end of the age. 
At the beginning of our passage this morning, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive before I don't have to forgive anymore? Peter was trying to keep track, and sometimes we do too. Right? Okay, I'll forgive you this time, but that's one. I'll forgive you this time, that's two. You're getting really close to seven. But Jesus responds with, don't keep track. Don't keep track. The beauty about our faith is we don't keep track of the wrongs against us. We don't have to be weighed down by that because God doesn't forget. You think you can remember what happened to you better than God can? And the Bible tells us that everyone is going to be held accountable for what they've done. Every single one of us. God is not going to forget our pain or our suffering or the things that we do that are wrong. (laughs) So leave your pain in the hands of the living God who can make things right. Don't take it upon yourself to become the punisher. Number two. If God wants us to not take matters into our own hands, then what should we do when we're wronged? Well, we should repay evil with good. That's what he wants from us. Now, why did Jesus have to go and say that? Because it makes me kind of mad. It's hard to do. Not only do we have to choose to forgive, but we have to go above and beyond that and actually do good to those who hurt us. As if we studied what we studied today wasn't already hard enough for us to accomplish. Like I said, being a Christian is not easy. It takes so much work and sacrifice. And repaying good for evil is just love, really. The supernatural love that goes beyond us. And thankfully, we have God's Spirit working in our lives to help us accomplish that. That we're not on our own in the pursuit of this forgiveness and love. So the next opportunity you have to repay good for evil, buckle down in prayer and let God work through you in that moment. Here's our last point for the morning. Don't sin in response to sin. John Piper said it very well, I think. He said, one of the greatest battles of holiness is the battle to avoid sinning after we've been sinned against. And we aren't perfect, and neither are the people around us, so your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, your friend, your coworker, or even the occasional enemy is going to hurt you, is going to offend you, is going to make you angry, and someone is going to sin against you, no matter what. Probably sooner rather than later. Probably sooner than you think. And when it comes, our natural response is to return to them what they gave to us. And that really makes it easy to step into sin. Because what they did was not right. And if we respond in like, it's also not going to be correct. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what you do. There is no excuse. It was my only choice. I think Trina actually said something like that in Sunday school. She said that you always have a choice. I, I, people say, I didn't have a choice. That's, that's a lie. You always have a choice. And it's your responsibility as a servant of the Lord Jesus to act like your master. Don't focus on the other person's behavior or actions because that's not your priority. Your priority is what you do and how you act. I don't think I need to be this death. Chuck gets it. I think we all get it. 
Don't let sin give birth to more sin. Respond like Christ, who willingly walked to his death and forgave the people who killed him. So we are called to walk a very narrow road, a road of faithful obedience. And forgiveness is just one act of obedience that takes us another step further down that road. Rest assured, though, that our struggle is not in vain because our struggle to forgive magnifies God and his forgiveness. And our struggle to forgive brings glory to our King Jesus who died for us. And our obedience will be rewarded with eternal life in the next age. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for forgiving us this amazingly large debt. I just pray that you give us what we need to turn around and forgive others as well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.